It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast. Uh, I, of course, uh, am your host, John Campia. Thanks for joining me for today. For the beginning of the week, last week, until we leave for Comic-Con, uh, I'm super stoked about Comic-Con this year. Of course, this is going to be the first year that I'm going with uh, Comic-Con HQ. I'm incredibly jazzed about that. We're going to have a live stage. Uh, so if you've ever been to Comic-Con, you know the place. All the stuff for Comic Con happens in the Convention Center and the Hilton Bayfront, and they're right beside each other. It's just a big park, just this little park in between them. And we're setting up a live stage. If you were at Comic Con a few years ago, remember where they had the big Batman car display? We're actually going to have a live Comic Con HQ um, stage there. We're going to be doing live Comic Con HQ. Uh, broadcast film HQ shows, I should say, from the stage on Thursday and on Sunday. I'll put out some more information on my social media about exactly uh, when and where you can find those things. We're going to have a meet and greet this year at Comic-Con as well. I'm going to be doing a meet and greet. We're kind of doing a Film HQ slash Collider Video slash Schmoes No big meetup uh, at Comic-Con. So I'm excited about that. I got my Masters of the Web panel. Uh, super stoked. So... Final week before Comic-Con. I'm trying to get all my stuff together and, and get myself ready to go, so that's important. Hey, I made a little bit of a change, and a lot of you guys noticed this. Before, when if you wanted to get a question or a topic brought up on uh, on the show here, I would have you guys like leave a comment on my Facebook or whatever. It became kind of hard to keep track of everything, so I've created a brand new email address where if you've got a question or topic for the show, you can just email me. And it's simple. You email me at thejohncampiapodcast at gmail.com. So that's thejohncampiapodcast at gmail.com. Send in your, your questions there, and I'm going to get to some of those here in just a little bit. So, I mean, obviously today, got to talk about this Ghostbusters thing. Um, and for those of you who don't know what's going on about it, we'll get into it in just a minute because it comes up in one of the questions that people bring up. So we're definitely going to get into the Ghostbuster stuff. Oh my goodness. Um, but a couple of issues I want to bring up here first. First thing is, um, producer Simon Kimberg, who seems like he is now the producer of everything geek related, um, in the universe, whether it's working on Star Wars or X-Men films or what have you. Uh, producer Scott Simon Kimberg was interviewed this last weekend at the Saturn Awards and somebody brought up the movie Gambit. Now, as, as many of you remember, Fox tried to get a Gambit movie going and they cast Channing Tatum. And, and a lot of people, I think at first, including me at first were like, oh my God, Channing Tatum is Gambit. But I, I got to say, the more I stopped and thought about it, the more I started to think, actually, that might not be a bad fit. He actually might do a pretty good job as Gambit when you really stop and think about it. Now, I understand the first knee-jerk reaction because I had it too. But honestly, he's come a long way. It, like I remember I used to hate Channing Tatum, not personally, but I mean, I used to hate his acting. I used to think he was terrible, and he was terrible for a very long time. But give the guy his due. Over, He's worked incredibly hard over the past 10 years. 
And now he is, a, I think, a legit lead actor. And he brings the physical presence to Gambit. I think he's got comedic timing that he could bring to Gambit. And I just think he could pull it off with the right director. And, of course, the director they had in mind is a Born Identity and The Edge of Tomorrow and a lot of other films director, uh, Doug Lyman. But anyway, then the word came out that they were going to look at like making it a $200 million budget or $175 million budget or whatever. It was a ridiculous number. And it left a lot of us scratching our heads going, WT, what the fuck? You just, Fox, which is where Gambit would be, you just made an amazingly entertaining film in Deadpool and had big success with it. And you made that film for $40 million. Why? And that had a full CGI character in it in Colossus. Why do you need to have a $150 million, $200 million budget for Gambit? I, I, that we don't get. Anyway, so then there was a lot of controversy. Was uh, Channing Tatum dropping out? Was he going to stay on it? And all this kind of stuff. Well, eventually Gambit got pulled off the release slate. And a lot of people thought, well, that's it. Gambit's dead. Maybe someday they'll go back and do Gambit. But it seems like Gambit's dead. Well, Simon Kimberg was interviewed this weekend. And he kind of brought up that Gambit is still very much alive. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, we, we've got our script now. He said one of, one of the reasons for the delay was they wanted to work on the script. I hope that means that's partly true. And they're saying, well, we need to work on a script and bring the budget down. I hope that's what part of it is. But <clears throat> he went on to say, we've got our script now. It sounded like Doug Lyman might still be attached. Because Doug Lyman, after they announced that Gambit had lost his release schedule, Doug Lyman came out and he has another movie lined up. But now Simon Kimberg saying, we're aiming to shoot it in the spring of 2017. So a few months into next year. And that would give Doug Lyman plenty of time to do the new project he's working on and come back. So look, keep this with a grain of salt. Simon Kimberg has not come out and said, we are definitely shooting Gambit in uh, 2017. He didn't say that. He said, we're We've got our script, and we're looking at spring of 2017. That hasn't become official yet. And I, for one, do I have my reservations about a Gambit movie? Yes, I do. Um, do I think this is a character? I, I love Gambit, but do I think this is a character you can build an entire film around? No, but I didn't think you could build an entire film around Dory either. Um, and Finding Dory ended up being wonderful. Um and if they've gone back and they've reworked the script and hopefully brought the budget down, I just look at what they did with Deadpool. And I look at what they did with a character that a lot of people had never heard of with a reasonably priced budget. And they did some very cool, very creative things. My favorite film of the year so far uh, in Deadpool. So that gives me hope for Gambit. I hope it happens because even if it turns out bad, I, I hope it happens. I hope because a lot of Gambit fans have wanted a true representation of Gambit. Unfortunately, the one representation of Gambit we've got in live action films was an X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um, and I actually didn't think the Gambit was, they had the right actor for Gambit in that one, but they just didn't do the right things with Gambit, much like they didn't do the right things with Deadpool in that movie. So I think there are Gambit fans out there who've been really wanting to see another live action adaptation. And even if it turns out bad, I hope they do it so they can at least say we gave Gambit a shot. And look, with a, a director like Doug Lyman, who's done some fantastic action films, he, I mean, he's good. I mean, Edge of Tomorrow was freaking brilliant. Um, so you bring on a director like Doug Lyman and a guy in Channing Tatum, who I think a lot of people are not giving him his due. He's improved a lot. I think some very interesting things 
could happen. Whether they will or not, we'll have to see. All right, let's uh, let's move on to another topic here. And you know I'm going to talk about UFC 200, but I'm not there yet. I'm just giving you advance warning. I'll talk a little bit about UFC 200 in just a second. But um, the other big thing that came out uh, over the weekend was I was thrilled to see the results, the secret life of pets got at the box office. The box office results for the weekend came out. Secret Life of Pets. I really enjoy the film. Now, I'm a dog owner, so I'm a pet owner. I've been a pet owner my entire life. And I, like I said in my review, you might feel a little bit differently about the movie. If you're, I don't know how I would have felt about the movie if I wasn't a pet owner, but I got all the pet humor in it, and I loved the movie. I had a really good time with it. I thought it was really fun. It's, it's nothing super innovative. It's not groundbreaking. It's very cliche-ish in many ways, but I still found it really, really uh, heartfelt. I found it very charming, very fun and funny, but granted I'm a pet owner. I thought it might pull in. Maybe if they had a really, really good weekend. I thought they'd make $70 million and that would be huge. Made over a hundred million dollars this weekend, made $103 million taking top spot at the box office. I'm super thrilled with it. Um, coming in number two is The Legend of Tarzan. Hey, it's very quietly gone on to make over $81 million domestically alone, worldwide. I don't even know if it's gotten most of its worldwide release yet. It hasn't gotten most of its worldwide release yet, but it's made over $135 million worldwide on its second week. So not bad for Legend of Tarzan. That's a movie that I don't think gets enough credit um, I, I don't think it's a great movie, but I was pleasantly surprised by, uh, by The Legend of Tarzan. So I, I hope you had a chance to see it. Anyway, coming at number three was Finding Dory, making another $20 million in its fourth week. By the way, Finding Dory is now the number one film of 2016 domestically. It passed Captain America Civil War, uh, and now Finding Dory is the number one film. It's now made $422 million domestically alone. $400 and $22 million domestically alone. Um, it's also made worldwide $642 million, another smash, smash, smash hit uh, for Pixar. Coming in at number four is a movie that sucks. Mike and Dave need wedding dates. It, it pains me to say that. I'm going to get into that a little bit more a little bit later. I wanted to love this movie. I wanted to love this movie so bad. Uh, but it comes in at number four on its opening weekend, making $16 million. Keep in mind, this is a movie, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, that only costs $33 million to make. So they may break even. They just might break even with Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. And coming in at number five is The Purge Election Year. Another film I was a little bit disappointed because I, I wasn't a, a fan of The First Purge. Like a lot of people, I thought Purge 2 was a big improvement. And I really, I actually quite enjoyed Purge 2. And so I had high hopes for Purge Election Year kind of let me down. It's not a terrible movie. I don't, I don't think Purge Election Year is a terrible movie, but it let me down. I was disappointed with it. So, uh, yeah, so that's the box office for this weekend. Some really cool things uh, in there. You know, it, it's kind of funny. When you think about The Secret Life Pets, I honestly thought they undermarketed it. I did. And usually, I normally have a pretty good gauge on how well the marketing did before a movie came out. And in this case, I was absolutely dead wrong. I, I didn't think they did a very good job with marketing. Now, I saw pictures of Secret Life of Pets all over the place, but I didn't necessarily think they did a good job with it. And surprise, surprise, look at what we got. They It, it kind of turned out to be the breaking $100 million opening weekend. Not many animated films can say they did that. All right, I'm going to get into the uh, the questions here. Like I said, I'm going to get to the Ghostbuster stuff in just a minute. But I just want to talk for a second because this is my show that I do as a hobby. This isn't my job. 
Uh, this is my hobby on my own personal YouTube channel. I get to talk about whatever the hell I want. And I want to talk for just a second about UFC 200. Um, I enjoyed UFC 200 a lot. Was it the barn burner I was hoping it was going to be? No, wasn't the barn burner I was hoping it was going to be. A great example of that is the Daniel Cormier-Anderson uh, Silva fight. Look, what did he expect? You had a guy come in and take a fight on two days' notice, Anderson Silva, to fight a guy who is the current reigning light heavyweight champion and by fight time probably outweighed him by 25 pounds. And, and Daniel Cormier is a big wrestler. Daniel Cormier, you know, cannot stand and strike with Anderson Silva. Almost nobody on the planet, very maybe three people can stand and st on the planet can stand and strike with Anderson Silva. All right. So you knew Cormier was going to use that 25 extra pounds he had. He's a big, muscular, strong guy with a lot of body weight. And he did exactly what a lot of us were afraid he was going to do. But I mean, brilliant for Daniel Cormier. He, Daniel Cormier knew he could not stand and strike with Anderson Silva, Silva. He took Silva down and just kind of grinded out the match like that and won by decision. So it was fine. Brock Lesnar. Shocked the world, man. I, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of Brock Lesnar. I was excited about him coming back. But I said, it's great that he's coming back, but he's going to lose to Mark Hunt. And there's no shame in losing to Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt was the number one contender just a few months ago. It wasn't long ago that Mark Hunt was the number one heavyweight contender and got a title shot. He is one of the most brutal knockout artists in the heavyweight division. He's he's the headhunter, man. He's the he's the headhunting Samoan. He's incredible. He's great. So I thought that was going to be a great match, but Brock has not been in the ring in five years. And I thought Ring Rust was going to get the better of him. And I thought it's he's going to put on an entertaining fight. But what happened? Brock Lesnar comes in there and he pretty much dictates the fight. He takes down Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt did not want this fight to be on the ground. And he just took those giant mailbox-sized fists of his, Brock Lesnar, and just kept pounding Mark Hunt in the head. And that was pretty much all of round one and round three. Um, I, so I was super excited to see Brock. I want Brock to come back and fight again. And then somebody suggested this on my Twitter. And I think this is brilliant. Get world-class wrestler against world-class wrestler. Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier. Because remember, Daniel Cormier started his UFC career in heavyweight. He's, he's fought in heavyweight. He was undefeated at heavyweight, as a matter of fact. I would love to see Daniel Cormier, for the first time in his career, have to get in the ring with a guy who is a better wrestler than him. And that's Brock Lesnar. Um, that, now, of course, then Daniel Cormier would be a much better striker than Brock, Brock Lesnar. I think that'd be a really interesting fight. I think Daniel Cormier wins that fight, but I'd be very interested to see. Fight of the night to me, um, I was uh, was probably the Cain Velasquez versus Travis Brown fight. Um, the most boring fight to me was probably the Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar. It was just, it was, except for round one, which was a little bit different. Round two, three, four, and five was just copy and paste, copy and paste. I mean, it was kind of anticlimactic in that way. I mean, the two guys, they were brilliant. They both fought brilliant technical fights. Full credit to Jose Aldo. Um, he did great to win the fight, but anyway. Okay, so that's it for the UFC for me. If you had a chance to see UFC, uh, let me know your thoughts on that. Um, and now I'm going to get into um, the uh, the mail questions that you guys have sent in. And we got a couple here based on Ghostbusters. We got some asking me about the five worst films of the year. We're going to get to these in order. So let's take the first question. The first question comes from Christian Perez, who writes and asks me, uh, how much do you predict Ghostbusters will make at the box office? And if it makes enough, should it get a sequel and or a trilogy? 
Um, well, that's always the big question for any uh, film opening up is, hey, you know, how much do you think it's going to do and how much do you think it needs to do in order to justify a sequel or, or a trilogy of films? <sighs> you know, here's the thing. I think when they first announced a new Ghostbusters with the all-female cast, and that was a reboot, a reimagining, if you will, um, and then they mentioned the, who the cast was, and, you know, you had McKinnon, you had Jones, uh, Wig, McCarthy, and uh, Feig was going to be directing it. I think a lot of people were thinking big, big hit, big hit. And I was too. The problem was that then the marketing campaign started and the trailers were garbage, absolute garbage. Um, this has been a terrible campaign. Um, the, the TV spots, they've picked the wrong TV spots to put up or the wrong clips to release. Then they showed, they terribly put together trailers that really made this movie look horrible. And if you saw my review, my review is up on my YouTube channel. I actually found Ghostbusters mildly entertaining. I was shocked, completely shocked because this movie looked like absolute shit. Um, and this, so I went to go see it. I was mildly entertained. I have some big issues with it, particularly in the issues of references and cameos and fan service. But overall, it was funny. Uh, it flowed well when the cameos weren't interrupting every five seconds. But anyway, go and watch my review. You'll see what I'm talking about. Um, the movie actually ended up mildly entertaining. And now uh, the, the rate, critic ratings are coming out. As of this recording, I expect it to go down a little bit. But as of this recording, well, when the Rotten Tomatoes first came out, it was at 66. And it climbed to 70. Then it climbed to 73. Then it climbed to 76. And now it's at 80. So I expect that to go down a little bit. It, 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 figure that Ghostbusters is probably going to settle around, I think, the 76% range uh, for, for critic ratings. Maybe 75 is going to settle around there. But good critic ratings. But the problem is they just spent months convincing the public not to see this movie with awful trailer after awful trailer with after awful TV spot after awful clip. They just did a brutal, brutal job with this. So I think opening weekend, I, I think maybe at one point in time they had, they had visions in their heads of a $100 million opening weekend. And I think that was within the realm of possibility. I won't be surprised if Ghostbusters gets 30 million opening weekend. I won't be surprised if it just gets 30 million. Probably be, be a bit more than that, but I, I won't be surprised if it comes in as low as 30 million. I will not be surprised because they just done. Now, the only hope they have now is that the, um, the same thing that happened with Edge of Tomorrow, because remember, those trailers were awful too. The, the, the Edge of Tomorrow marketing campaign was maybe one of the worst in history. Um, but then, so it came out underperformed, but then word of mouth got out. I was like, hey, everybody, that movie that looked like crap, it's actually pretty good. And then people started to go out and see it. That's what Ghostbusters needs. Ghostbusters needs enough people to see it and love it and get the word of mouth out about it to think, is it good enough? Like, I think it's good. Not very good, not great. I think it's good. I don't know if it's good enough, though, to generate that kind of word of mouth. But it's, uh, like I said, I, I walked out fairly entertained. I laughed quite a bit in the film and I walked out having enjoyed myself. Color me shocked. Color me totally surprised. Um, but I don't expect very good things. Obviously, if the, if the film makes $300 million, the film makes $400 million, you're going to see a sequel. No big surprise, this movie ends in such a way that they're trying to set up sequels. Absolutely. They want to do sequels. They want to make a franchise out of this. Absolutely, they do. I'm going to peg that the first one needs to hit around three to $400 million. And 
even though I like the film and even though I give it a positive review and I suggest you go out and check it out, uh, there are a lot of people telling me on my Facebook page that, John, I, I believe you that you liked it, but the, the trailers have just turned me off too much. I can't go see it. And I go, hey, I don't blame you. The trailers were awful. I was turned off by the trailers. I don't know that I would have gone to see Ghostbusters and given it a shot were it not part of my career, were it not part of my job to see every movie that comes out. I don't know that I would have went. So all I can tell you is that I saw it and I ended up liking it. I was very surprised. But I do not blame you one bit if you tell me you were too turned off by by the trailers. All I can tell you is that I saw it and it ended up worth seeing. It ended up being worth seeing. So take that and do with that as you will, my friends. All right, let's get on to the main thing here today. And, and this question comes in from Colby Bean. And I'm going to probably get a little pissed off at this, but be that what it will. And anyway, let me read the question first, and then I'll go into it. And the question comes in from Colby Bean. Hey, John, since the embargo has lifted for Ghostbusters and the reviews have started to come out, and most of them have been pretty positive, like I said, it's 80% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which is great news, I've noticed people are now upset that it's getting positive reviews. I'm seeing any positive review on YouTube get flooded with dislikes and nasty comments about how everyone is lying and how they hope it bombs and attacking anyone that liked it. It seems like they just can't accept that the film is actually good. Why is that? Um, yeah, I first got notice of this. I first realized what was happening yesterday when I put my review of Ghostbusters up. And again, go and check it out. It's on my YouTube channel. When I put my thing and... I had like 90% like thumbs up, 90% thumbs up. And then all of a sudden, this flood of dislikes on the video came in. And it's a really good review. I mean, it, it, whether you like when you see Ghostbusters, and 99% of you haven't seen Ghostbusters yet, but when you see Ghostbusters, whether you like Ghostbusters or not is irrelevant. I think it's a very good review that I put out. I thought it was very fair. I thought it was very balanced. I talked about what I liked. I talked about what drove me crazy about it. But it just flood of negative, uh, of downvotes. And then all of a sudden, all these comments all saying the same thing. One uh, version or another of Sony paid you. You're a shill. You got paid by Sony. You're a shill. You blah, blah. It's all the same thing, right? So then I look into the analytics. And at least one to 2,000 of the, of the people who came to my video review came from the same place. And they came from this page on Reddit. Where I, I first of all, I'm going to put this up here. Some people took screenshots and took this from. There are actually organized. There's an organized group of people, sad, pathetic ass lickers. Um, there are a group of people out there who decided before seeing the movie, ha they haven't seen the movie. They'll claim they saw the movie, but they haven't seen the movie. Um, I'm sure one percent of them have, but most of them they haven't. So they, they have organized, they've literally organized a group on Reddit to gather together all the, where all the positive reviews are. And there's a lot of positive reviews now, and they're very upset about that, that there's a lot of positive reviews and pointing people about where they can go to downvote and put negative comments and try to wipe out positive reviews about the movie, a movie they have not seen yet. So I started realizing a lot of these uh, downvotes I was getting were all coming from the same place. And then I started realizing, I dug in a little deeper, 
and a lot of these comments that were all basically saying the same thing. Oh, you're, you got paid off by Sony. I can just see that the Sony guys are behind you with bags of money and blah, 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 blah. And at least 30 to 40% of those comments were YouTube accounts that just got created within the last 48 hours. So what does that tell you? And a lot of them have basically no subscribers, no followers, no activity. So they, most of the, those were just coming from accounts that people just created so they can go and troll. They had a mission to try to destroy this movie and a mission to try to destroy anybody who actually said they liked the movie, even though they themselves have not seen the movie. Um, now, here's the thing. Let's go back a little bit. There are two sides of incredible bullshit in this story, okay? Two sides of incredible bullshit. Side of incredible bullshit number one comes from early in the marketing when there were some people trying to make it sound like if you don't like the trailers to Ghostbusters, it's just because you're sexist. Um, and I took issue with that. Actually, I, I may or may not put the graphic of my tweet up. Maybe I will. I'll, I'll see if I can find the tweet and I'll put it up here. Um, there was a colleague of mine who, when all the negative reaction to the first Ghostbusters trailer came out, and I thought the first Ghostbusters trailer was awful, like just garbage. It turned me off this movie so hard. And um, anyway, so my colleague wrote, wow, I guess some people just can't handle the idea of four women being really funny. They just can't handle it because it's women. And that's bullshit. Like, come on, folks. That is straight up grade A bullshit. So I responded to my colleague and said, or just throwing this out there, people just don't like shitty trailers. Because that's what it was, a shitty trailer. So the, you had this one side of total bullshit coming out with, oh, if, if people say they don't like the marketing for this movie, it's, it's because they're sexist. Nah, nah. I ain't sexist, folks. Not at all. Um, and I'm just telling you, the trailers looked like garbage. They made the movie look awful. So it was total bullshit for anybody to come out and say, you just don't like it because here's the thing, folks. I say this all the time and I totally mean this. One of the ultimate signs that you are mentally weak, one of the biggest signs that you have, you don't have two pennies to rub together in your head, that you are just a total, you know, you're just gone. You, you have no mind of your own. You're a total weakling. You are a mental weakling. Here's the biggest indication that you are a total mental wuss. When you come up with excuses for other people not thinking the way you think. The mentally strong, here's what the mentally strong do. They go, oh, you didn't like it. Man, that sucks. I liked it because of this and this. Why didn't you like it? Oh, you didn't like it because of that and that. I disagree with you, dude. I think you should look at it a different way, but I respect the fact that you look at it that way, blah, blah, blah. That's what the mentally strong do. The mentally pathetic, all right? The mental pathetic, this is what they do. They go, oh, you didn't like the trailers? Then they start coming up with excuses. They come up with excuses. Well, 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 F you. You just didn't like it because you're sexist then. Weak weakling, pussy. That's what you are. People didn't like the garbage marketing for Ghostbusters because it was garbage marketing. Sony blew it. They blew the marketing of this campaign. They blew it. They turned so many people off, not because people are sexist, because the trailers were awful. People loved Bridesmaids. People loved Bridesmaids. 
You didn't, you, you didn't see people going, if, if what you're saying is true, then everybody going, oh, those bridesmaids, uh, those bridesmaids trailers are awful. No, everybody saw the bridesmaids trailers like, man, this movie looks funny because they did a great job with the bridesmaids trailers. This movie, they did a terrible job. So it is absolute total bullshit. The bullshit number one is all these mentally weak wussies who just pointed at people who said they did not like the trailers and said, oh, you just didn't like me because you're sexist. That's bullshit number one. And now we get introduced to bullshit number two. And it's equally pathetic. It might even be more pathetic, but it's equally pathetic. So now what we have is we have the reviews are starting to come out because, you know, a lot of the critics who, who probably wouldn't have gone to see Ghostbusters because the trailers are so bad, they went to go see screenings of it because that's their job. They went to go see the movie. And now, as of right now, might have dropped by the time you see this, but as of the recording of this thing, actually, you know what? I will bring it up right now. Let me bring up Ghostbusters Rotten Tomatoes 2016. As of this very moment that I'm recording this, um, it was 76 yesterday, got a size 80. Now it's at 77. It is at 77% with over 60 reviews in from certified critics. And it's holding a 77%. So bullshit number one, people saying, oh, oh you just didn't like the trailers because you're sexist and you hate women. Bullshit. Now bullshit number two is starting to rear its ugly head. And bullshit number two is this. Is when equally mentally weak and pathetic losers um, are going, oh, th- these are the people who have predetermined they want Ghostbusters to suck. And they and now they're seeing all these positive reviews. And that doesn't sit well with them, even though they haven't seen the movie yet. It doesn't sit well with them. So now what they're doing is going, oh, you liked it, but we didn't want you to like it. So uh 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 oh you you're just afraid that you'll get labeled a sexist if you say it's a bad movie. Weak, pathetic, coming up with douchebag excuses for why people don't agree with you. You're pathetic. You're a loser. You, you just are. Oh, oh, you, you like that movie, but I don't think it's going to be good, even though I've never seen it. So, so Sony paid you. Pathetic. Look, I, uh, look, I can say, look, I'm not, I don't put it by any studio to do something as underhanded as to pay off critics. I'm not putting that by studios, but it would be an incredibly stupid thing. We went over, remember I was accused that Disney was paying me. Uh, it would be incredibly stupid for a studio to do that because the moment they got busted, they're done. But here's the thing. I can honestly say this. You want to know why I have never accepted anything? I've never been given money by a studio. Do you know why I've never accepted any money from a studio? Because no studio's ever offered me money. (laughs) I mean, I'll sit here and tell you I wouldn't take money anyway. But the the truth is that I have not taken any money from studio because no studio's ever offered me any money. Like, I, I wish I could play the nobleman here and go... Yeah, well, sure, I've been offered lots of money by studios, and I know all my critic friends, they've all been offered lots of money by studios, but we stand firm. We said, no, 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 I'm maintaining my integrity. No, no, the fact of the matter is they've never offered any money. That's just the facts. That's just the facts. And for the fact that now we've got a bunch of these pathetic, inbreeding mouth breathers who are coming out and going and organizing these campaigns to try to destroy a movie they haven't even seen. Look, if you see Ghost, you might watch Ghostbusters and you might not like it. And that's cool. I have my problems with Ghostbusters. I still think overall it ended up being a good entertaining movie, but you may not feel the same way. Cool. 
That's that's what movie discussion is. That's how it goes. If you watch and don't like it, awesome. That, I mean, that's film su- subjectivity. I got no beef and no problem with anybody who sees Ghostbusters and say they don't like it. What I've got a beef with is people trying to organize campaigns these pathetic little basement living, still probably breastfeeding on their mother's teat uh, losers who organize campaigns against movies they have never even seen and then try to come up with excuses about why some people are saying it's a good movie. Guess what? This is why, here's the real reason. I'll give you the real truth here. Here's the real reason some critics, the majority of critics are coming out. And by the way, the advanced audience scores were B+. So it's not just critics. It's also the the verified advanced audience scores as well. It's got a B plus. That might go down. That might drop. You still might hate it. But you can't handle the fact that people like in a movie that you didn't want them to like, and now you're coming up with excuses uh, about why people don't think the way you do, and that just makes you pathetic. You know, look, I hate the Star Wars prequels. Everybody knows that. Everybody, it's well documented how much I hate the Star Wars prequels, but... What I do when approaching the Star Wars prequels issues is I will never be, I'll never lie about it. I hate the prequels, but I know a lot of people like them. And if you're somebody who likes the Star Wars prequels, I celebrate that because they're there and I get no enjoyment out of them. I celebrate that you do get enjoyment out of them. It doesn't change my mind about what I think about them and it won't stop me from expressing my opinion when the topic comes up. But the fact that you like it, I celebrate that. Now, every once in a while, I'll make a joke. I'll say, friends don't let friends watch the Star Wars prequels. I'll joke about that sometimes. But the bottom line is, the reality is, that's the wonderful thing about movies, man. And these little pathetic worms, what they're doing is they're hurting the fan community. Because the fan community is at its strongest when we embrace the fact that we don't all like the same things. And we don't come up with excuses for why we don't like the same things. We just say, hey... You like something that I didn't. Hey, you didn't like something that I love. That's awesome. Let's dialogue about it and expand our understanding of the movie. That's what real people do. And, you know, like this one thing that came up, this is like one thing that a bunch of people sent to me screenshots. So obviously the reviews aren't as bad as we had hoped. What can we do to get the, the, the knowledge out there that most of these reviewers are being paid off? No, they're not. You just, you're stupid. I mean, that's, you're just stupid. I don't know. Maybe while you were being given birth, your umbilical cord got wrapped around your neck and your brain went without oxygen for too long and, and now you're just stupid. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just speculating here. I don't really know. But anyway, so that whole thing has just really driven me nuts um, the last little bit. Not because people are downvoting my video. That That's fine. If people disagree with me, what really bothers me is being downvoted by people who haven't seen the movie coming from an organized effort to try to destroy the reputation of a movie they haven't seen yet. And look, I'm with you. The movie looks awful. Ghostbusters looks terrible. I'm with you on that. I'm just simply telling you, I went to go see it. And guess what? Everybody, Almost everybody else who went to go see it too, the vast majority of people who went to go see it, at least 77%, or saying, you know what? That was pretty good. That wasn't bad. So that just is what it is. And if you're too mentally weak to deal with it, do me a favor, stick your head in an oven. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, no, don't do that. I don't want any bodily harm to come to you. Uh, but just stop. Don't breed. Do me a favor and don't breed, please. Anyway, that's uh, that's that. Um, let's move on to the next question. I'm going to fly through the next couple of ones here. Nicholas Meyer writes, Hey, John, uh, last podcast, you gave us your top five favorite films of the year so far. 
But what are some of your least favorite or most hated films of the year so far? All right, I'm going to give you a list of five that I really thought were terrible this year. Now, I'm only sticking to big wide release movies, okay? Much like I did for my favorite of the year list. And then I'm going to miss, mention a couple that may not be the coming the worst five, but at least were my biggest disappointments. So these are in no particular order, okay? These are what I believe to be five of the worst movies I've seen this year. This is not an exhaustive list. I just kind of, this is off the top of my head. But uh, Mike and Dave need wedding dates. And everybody knows how much I was looking forward to that movie. Ride Along 2 uh, was terrible. And I kind of like the first Ride Along. And I like Ice Cube and I like Kevin Hart. But Ride Along 2 was just terrible. Number three, Zac Efron coming in twice on this list with Dirty Grandpa. Uh, well, at least y'all know I'm not biased towards Zac Efron. Because, you know, I, I get a lot of crap from people because I am a big Zac Efron fan. I think he's a drastically underrated actor. But that doesn't mean I'm going to keep him off this list. As a matter of fact, he's on my list twice for Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates and Dirty Grandpa. Uh, the next, Hail Caesar. Who would have thought? I mean, we all thought that was going to be an Oscar contender. And to me, one of the worst films of the year so far. And then Gods of Egypt. Now, those are in no particular order, okay? I'm not saying number five through number one. I'm saying in no particular order, five of the worst films of the year to me. Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, Ride Along to Dirty Grandpa, Hail Caesar, Gods of Egypt. The most disappointing movies of the year to me, one of them was my number two most anticipated film of the year that wasn't comic book or Star Wars related. And that was the Matthew McConaughey film, The Free State of Jones. I was drooling to see this movie. I thought this movie had Oscar contender written all over it. When it was first announced and I read the description of it, I thought, oh my God, Matthew McConaughey is going to get his second Oscar for this. And the movie's terrible. It's just just awful. It's really unfortunate because you had such rich source material that I think you could tell an Oscar caliber, make an Oscar caliber movie around, but uh, they really dropped the ball. And the other one was Keanu. Uh, you know how much of a big Key and Peele fan I am. I was so excited about seeing that. And Keanu, to me, not one of the worst films of the year, just biggest disappointments to me because it just felt like a another Keen Peel sketch that was dragged out an hour and 10 minutes too long. Um, so, yeah, those are the ones to me. All right, what do I got here? I got two more left. Um, let's see. This one comes from Jay Hamilton who writes, Hey, John, in your last episode, you said Will Smith getting the major beats in Suicide Squad was a fear of yours. Harloff and others have said similar things about being worried that they'll make Deadshot the main character just because it's Will Smith. My question is, since Deadshot is... Uh, since Deadshot, in any incarnation of the Suicide Squad, in the comic books or Arrow or in the animated films, is usually the leader of the team. Should he not get the most play on screen regardless of who is playing him? Uh, slash Jay Hamilton. Yeah, look, uh, I mentioned that some in my last episode of the show, somebody asked me, what are my biggest fears? Should Do we have any legitimate reasons to be afraid for Suicide Squad? And I said, actually, no. We have more reasons to be excited about Suicide Squad, starting with the director, David Ayer, a great cast, including Will Smith. I said, my one fear, and it's only a fear, my one fear is because of Will Smith's recent track record of the last couple of years, he seems to want all the attention and all the spotlight to be on him when it, and he wants to run roughshod over a lot of his movies. I told a story about Quentin Tarantino who originally had, had arranged for Will Smith to be Django um, in his movie and Will Smith thought that his character, Django, should kill the Leonardo DiCaprio character because I'm the main character. My fear isn't that Will Smith is a main character. That's not my fear. My fear, because in Django Unchained, Django's the main character. 
My fear was that just because he's either the main character or one of the main characters, that doesn't mean the entire movie should revolve around him. Okay? That, that's different. Captain America is the leader of the Avengers, but the entire Avengers movie doesn't revolve around Captain America. You know what I'm saying? So what I would be afraid of is a situation like what we had in Django where Will Smith's Deadshot, great. Okay, so Deadshot's going to do this, this, and this. He's the leader of the team. Yay. Okay, now in this scene over here, uh, we're going to have uh, Captain Boomerang do this and then have, no, 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 wait a minute. Um, Will Smith says, since I'm the leader, I think uh, Deadshot should do that one heroic thing. But Will, we've already got like 10, you're the lead character of the film. We've already got like 10 heroic things you should be doing. Yeah, but if I'm really the main character, I should also be doing what Captain Boomerang is doing. Oh, you've got this scene where Harley Quinn's going to do that cool thing? I think Deadshot should do that cool thing too. Like My fear wasn't that he become a lead character because he's Deadshot. Deadshot's going to be a lead character. My concern was that it becomes, instead of the Suicide Squad movie with a lead character being Deadshot, maybe even the lead character, it becomes a dead shot movie with a supporting cast. And there's there's a difference between those two things, right? Because like you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, that's not... Look, Guardians of the Galaxy, the leader was Peter Quill, was Star-Lord. And so he does a lot of the key things in the movie. But it's not a Star-Lord movie. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy movie where all the characters had big major things to do at one point or another to drive the story ahead. And so that was primarily my main concern in talking about uh, my concern with Will Smith. But look, Will Smith is one hell of an actor. And I think him being in this movie is a positive thing for this movie. Uh, him, Margot Robbie, Jared Leto, I, I think these are all positive additions to this movie. And I think Suicide Squad is going to be great. That's my prediction. I've loved the trailer so far. Anyway, let's go on to the last question of the day. Going back to a Rotten Tomatoes issue, uh, ZRJ Row writes... Does Rotten Tomatoes set the quality of a film in stone, or are there expectations? Like, Superman Returns at 76%, yet people don't seem to like it. You guys have heard me explain this a lot, so just tune out if you've heard me explain this before. But I'm, I'm still surprised by how many people still don't really get or understand how Rotten Tomatoes works. Rotten Tomatoes does not give a score to anything. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't give scores. What Rotten Tomatoes is, it's a depository, if you will, of they collect all the reviews from television critics, newspaper critics, online film critics, whatever. They go on and take all the critics, and then they bring them in, they see what they all scored, or whether they gave it positive or negative reviews, and then all Rotten Tomatoes does is do the math. And so like right now, for instance, Ghostbusters has a 77%. That doesn't mean Rotten Tomatoes is giving Ghostbusters a 77%. That means Rotten Tomatoes has gone out and collected in at this point a little over 60 of the, the big reviews. And 77%, that's, this is what the score means, 77% gave positive reviews. That's all it means. So you see, Rotten Tomatoes doesn't give a score. See, some people say, I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes. Well, if you're saying that, you don't understand the way Rotten Tomatoes works. Rotten Tomatoes just goes out and gets all the critics in, and they just tell you what percentage of the critics give this movie a positive review, what percentage of the critics give it a negative review. So in the case of Ghostbusters right now, 77% of the critics give it positive reviews, 23% give it a negative review. That's all it means. So, yeah, that's all that it means. So, you know, but you will still, this is what I find for myself and for most people. Some people say to me, I never agree with the critics. And I'll go, really? 
Yeah. Okay. Did you like Avengers? Yes. Well, the critics liked Avengers too. Did you like the Dark Knight Rises or the Dark Knight Returns? Yes. Well, the critics liked it too. Uh, did you like, um, I don't know. Did you like Avatar? Yes. Well, the critics liked it too. Did you like the 40 year old virgin? Yes. Well, the critics liked it too. So basically you almost always agree with the critics. There are sometimes you don't. And that's the beautiful things about movies is the sometimes we don't, but the majority of the time we, we agree with the critics. We may feel like we don't agree with the critics, but most of the time you do. Uh, if you actually sit down and start going through the list, well, I hated this movie. What do the critics think? Oh, they hated it too. But once all we pay attention to, because this is a natural human tendency, we only seem to pay attention to the times we differ, right? It's like, well, I remember this one time the critics really liked, I don't know, uh, in, in, um, Inception. Okay, let's just say that for, for argument's sake. I remember the critics really liked Inception. I didn't, so I never agree with the critics. No, 90% of the time you do agree with the critics. You're only thinking about those times that you didn't. Um, and that's generally the way that it goes. That's why you know you get majority things like that. But it's those times that we don't agree that makes the movie-going experience so special. That's what gives us pleasant surprises or, or the disappointments and the heartbreaks. But that's the coolest thing about movies. I've always said the very best thing about being a film fan is the pure subjectivity of movies. A lot of times we'll all agree. Sometimes we won't, but that's the most beautiful thing. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for me for this installment of the show. Thanks a lot for joining me. Hey, once again, don't forget, if you've got a question for me, you've got a topic you'd like brought up, why don't you roll the dice, take a chance, and send in an email to thejohncampiapodcast at gmail.com. That's how you can get uh, potentially your question on the show. Uh, And you know I'm going to talk more UFC. You know I'm going to talk more UFC next time. But I'm really glad you're joining me. Make sure you are, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, make sure you you don't just listen to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Open up iTunes for me. And even if you don't use iTunes, open up iTunes, rate and comment on this podcast. That helps me out a great deal. If you're watching this show on YouTube, or if you even if you're listening on audio pod, podcast, you can watch a video version of the show on YouTube. Come on over to my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash John Campia. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel so you can keep up to date with all the episodes of my shows that come out. Going to talk next week, next week, uh, next episode, which might even be tomorrow. Uh, might not be till Wednesday, but going to talk about some of my favorite television of this past year. A lot of people have been asking me about my thoughts on the blacklist this year. We're going to talk a little bit more Comic-Con. We're going to talk a little bit more about this Ghostbusters fallout. Lots of stuff to come up on the next episode. So keep up to date with me. Make sure, by the way, you're following me on Twitter and on Facebook at John Campia. That's you can keep up to date with all my stuff there. And, uh, yeah, that'll do it for me, guys. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the John Campia podcast. And until next time, bye-bye.